you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. today. Ezekiel chapter 44, and then we, verses 1 and 2, then I will draw your attention to Ezekiel 46 and verse 9. Ezekiel 44, 1 and 2, and the word of the Lord says, and he brought me back the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east, and it was shut. This is Ezekiel speaking, verse number 2. Then saith the Lord unto me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse 9. The Bible says, but when the people of the land shall come before the Lord in the solemn feasts, he that entereth in by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. And he that entereth by the way of the south gate shall go forth by way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. What Ezekiel was saying is that when you come in to worship in the temple, when you come into the house of God, no matter which gate that you enter into, you are not to turn around and to go out the same gate that you came in. Come on, somebody. I feel like preaching this morning. You are not to you're not to finish worshiping, get up and go back out the same way that you came into the temple, but you are to go out a different way. And I want to preach to you by the help of the Lord from this subject, exit that way. Exit that way. Would you put your Bibles down, your devices down? Would you lift your hands right now? And would you lift your voice? Would you help me right now and lift your voice and ask God to speak into this house? God, we call upon you. God, we need you this morning. I ask God that you would come into this house. God, that you would meet with us, that you would sup with us, that you would, God, that you would dwell with us here today, God. And I pray that your word would go forth and that it would accomplish that for which you have sent it. God, we bind every spirit of distraction. We bind every spirit that would cause hindrance to the 
going forth of your word, God, we bind it and we loose your power and your authority in this house, God, in Jesus' name. Now somebody put your hands together one more time. Clap unto the Lord. Exit that way. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. We have been not only feeling in our congregation, but we have been seeing the supernatural power of God moving and at work in this place. I felt him yesterday evening as I was here at the church preparing and studying for this service and asking God what it is that you want to do in this place. I felt him also as soon as I walked into the doors of this building this morning. I felt his power and I felt his presence. And as soon as we begin to worship, I felt the manifest presence of God in this place. And I believe that sometimes when you feel God like we feel God and and when you experience God in the way that we have experienced God, the age-old question arises, why would a God, why would the God of all creation desire to have a relationship with mankind like you and like me? When we consider who God is, and when we consider who we are as human beings, when we look at the worthiness of God in contrast to our own unworthiness, and when we look at the perfection of God in contrast with our imperfection, when we look at the power of God in contrast to our weakness, when we look at the vastness of God in contrast to our limitations, when we consider how insignificant at times that we may be, we may feel, we wonder why the God of the universe would even desire to have a relationship with people like us about the vastness of his power and his glory and his majesty this morning. I am fascinated by the world in which we live. I am fascinated with the planet earth that we live on. I am fascinated by the fact that if it were just if we were just tilted off one or two degrees, it would mean the difference between a nice, comfortable temperature and not being able to survive in this world. It's fascinating to me. I am fascinated by the fact that it seems that the more we learn about our world, that the more there is to learn. As vast as our world is, it is but a tiny fraction of our solar system. I read that if our solar system were the size of a football field, then our sun would be the size of a dime and our earth would be the size of a grain of sand. As big as that sounds, though, our solar system is only a tiny fraction of our Milky Way galaxy. So if the Milky Way galaxy was the size of the entire United States of America. Our entire solar system would be the size of a penny in comparison. They say that if we could travel at the speed of light some 186,000 miles per second, 
it would take us 27,000 years to even reach the center of the Milky Way. Yet, our Milky Way galaxy is but a tiny fraction of our universe. It is but one of many, many galaxies that exist in our universe. But in spite of all the vastness, in spite of the great expanse of the heavens, for some reason, God so loved the world that he gave. For some reason, God so loved the world that he desired to have a relationship with you and with me. Perhaps this was what the psalmist David pondered when David, who was a shepherd who spent countless nights looking up at the heavens and marveling at the wonders of creation. For David said in Psalms 8, 3 and 2, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. One thing that strikes me about this passage in Psalms is that the world that David chose to to you that that David chose to you the word rather that David chose to use for man in this context is the, in the original transla- translation is the word enos the word enos is meant to emphasize the weakness of man in contrast to the majesty of heaven the word enos highlights man in all of his frailty it highlights man in all of his weakness. It highlights man in all of his mortality. So what David was saying in Psalms, he was saying, when I look at the wretched man that I am and I compare myself to the heavens, I wonder why you would even think about me. I wonder why I would even be a fault in your mind. But God, you don't just stop there, but you visit me. But you don't just stop there. You desire to have a relationship with me. Perhaps David, who spent so much time watching his father's sheep, was struck by the idea that the God of heaven desires to be his shepherd, and he desires to be your shepherd today. He was perhaps struck by the fact that the God of heaven desired to spend time with him, to walk with him, to talk with him, to protect him, to provide for him. And David developed an appreciation for God that stayed with him for the rest of his life. When we read that David said in 1 Chronicles 28 and 2, As for me, I had in mine heart to build a house for the rest of the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. Then David goes on to say in Psalms 132, I will not sleep, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to thine eyelids until I find out a place of the Lord, a habitation for the might uh, for the mighty God of Jacob. We will go into his tabernacle and we will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, in, into thy rest, thou and the ark of 
of thy strength. And then the Lord, after David penned those words, after David's heart cried out to the Lord, the Lord responds to him in verse 14 when he said, This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. And when I read about God desiring something, as I read in this scripture, it does something on the inside of me. It does something to my heart. There's something that wells up inside of me. When I think about the God of heaven, when I think about the God of all creation, when I think about the God who has all and does all and is all, He is the God who has everything in His hand. But yet he still desires something of me. Hear me today. God desires a place of rest. God desires a place to manifest himself. God desires to have a relationship with mankind. And out of everything that God could desire, it is God's desire to have a relationship with you and with me. David developed a deep-rooted appreciation for the fact that this God who has all and owns all still has that one desire, that desire to be with his people, that desire to dwell with his people. And it was that appreciation that birthed the desire within David when he wrote in Psalms 27 and 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. And what I'm trying so desperately to preach to somebody here this morning is that when you develop a true appreciation for that one thing, that God desires, it will create in you one desire as well. One thing have I desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, and that will I seek after the Lord. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I've come to preach to somebody this morning. That's why I want to be in His presence. That's why I want to come into the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning, because, because more than fame, more than money, more than earthly possessions, more than any accolades, more than any praise of man. I desire a relationship with God. I desire to be in the presence of God. I desire to say, King of glory, fill this place. Fill my life. King of glory, reveal yourself to me. created. God chose to create man, the Bible says, in his own image. And God has always desired to have a relationship with us. Say, God wants relationship with me. Come on, say, God wants a relationship with me. He was so committed to that desire for relationship that even when mankind fell, 
Even when mankind entered into sin, when mankind ruined that relationship with God through sin, God refused to let man go. God continued to reach from mankind. The Bible lets us know that God did not do this for the angels who rebelled against him. There was something about the mind of God that allowed him to let go of the angels when they rebelled. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, it is not the angels he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Somebody say, that's me. Come on, somebody shout, that's me. As majestic, as holy as the angels are, there is something in the mind of God that says, I can let them go. I can turn my back on them when they rebel against me. But there is something about mankind in all of our frailty, in all of our weakness where God says, even when they fall, even when they sin, even when they turn their back on me, even when even when they walk away from me, there is something about my most prized creation that is worth redeeming and I desire to have a relationship with them and I am committed to making my presence known to them. And so we find the presence of God first in the portable tabernacles that the people of God moved around in the wilderness with them. They would tear them down, and they would move to a new location, and they would erect them again, and they would worship. And then when it was time to go, they would tear them down again, and they would move. So we first find the presence of God as they enter into those portable tabernacles in the wilderness. But then soon those tents would give way to the majestic temples that were made with the finest things that money could buy, like Solomon's temple, the finest things on earth that made up that temple. Every tabernacle and every temple revealed to us, though, new things about God. They revealed things about the relationship that God desired to have with man. Those tabernacles and those temples, they revealed aspects about the mercies of God. They revealed aspects about the holiness of God and what man's response to God should be. And in our text, God gave Ezekiel a vision of yet another temple. And this vision was given to Ezekiel for a specific purpose. God told Ezekiel to tell all the people everything that he saw in his vision that would reside in the temple. And in Ezekiel 44, 5, the Bible says, and the Lord said unto me, this is Ezekiel talking, the Lord said unto me, son of man, mark well and behold thine eyes and hear with thine ears all that I say unto thee according to all the ordinances of the house of the Lord. And the laws thereof, and mark well the entering in of the house with every going forth to the sanctuary. God said, Ezekiel, I want want you to build this temple after after this fashion. But when it's constructed, I want you to pay particular attention to the entrances and to the exits of the temple. God told Ezekiel specifically to pay attention and tell the people about the entrances and about the exit of this temple that he was showing to Ezekiel. 
And if you read back through the book of Ezekiel, he goes on into great detail as he records all that God is telling him about the makeup of this temple. In those details, we find symbolism and revelation about God and mankind and what should should uh, happen when the people of God encounter the glory and the presence of Almighty God. The Bible tells us that there were three entrances and exits, one to the north and one to the south and one to the east. And as we read Ezekiel 44, 1 and 2 in our text, the entrance, the Bible tells us that the entrance in the east was reserved for the glory of God. Nothing else, hear me today, nothing else, nobody else was allowed to enter in by the east gate. Nobody could come, nobody could come from the west coming towards the east and happen upon that east gate. And, and nobody, even though that was the most convenient gate for them to enter in, if they were allowed, nobody under any circumstances was allowed to enter the east gate. The glory of God, because the glory of God had previously left Israel, and we see earlier in Ezekiel's vision that the glory returned like a flood to that eastern gate, and it filled the entire temple. But God told Ezekiel that nothing else could come in by that gate. That gate is reserved for nothing else but the glory of God. Now hear me when I say to you that without the glory of the of God, without the presence of God, without his glory to reside, then the temple would just have been another building. But before we can do anything else, before we can ever strike the first chord on the music, before we can ever lift our hands to God in praise, before we can do anything else, we've got to make an avenue. And and we've got to make a, 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 a path for the glory of God to come in. Because without His glory, as great as a church as this is, without the glory of God, then we're just another building. We're just another social club. But we have got to have the glory of God and the presence of God residing in this place. says that once the glory came in, once the glory of God entered that eastern gate, that that gate was shut forever. Now that the glory of God is here, the glory of God is here to stay. Now that the glory is here, we can't afford to lose it once again. There is, hear me, there is an entrance into this house. There is an entrance into this building that is reserved only for the glory of God. His glory is here and without it, we might as well turn this building into an event center. Without His glory, there would be no healing. Without His glory, there would be no bondage broken. Without His glory, there would be no addictions defeated. Without His glory, there would be no life changed. Without His glory, 
glory, there would be no salvation for your soul. And without his glory, we would be just another social club. But we have got to have his glory. We've got to open the gate and say, Arise, O Lord, enter into thy rest. Your glory belongs here. trying to tell you this morning is that there must be an entrance into my life and there must be an entrance into your life that is reserved expressly for the presence of God. There must be an entrance into my home. There must be an I was so convicted yesterday as I sat in a service at men's conference and Brother Scott Graham preached a masterpiece of a message. And if it was for nobody else in that place, it was for me because Brother Koonsman, he hit me right between the eyes when I'd heard about, when he talked about the keeper of the Lord's gate, when he talked about just being faithful to the gate of the Lord, just being faithful to the house of the Lord. If I never preach another sermon, I've got to be faithful to the house of the Lord. If I never lead another service, then I've got to be faithful to the house of the Lord. If I never do anything else in ministry, i got to be faithful to the house of the Lord, and i got to teach my family. i got to pull my kids to my side, and i got to tell them the importance of being faithful to the King's Gate. I was so convicted. Went to the altar. When he called for those for those men to come to the altar and respond to the preach word of the Lord. And I, I lifted my hands and the tears began to roll down my face and I began to, to cry unto the Lord. And I said, God, God, whatever, whatever it is, God, there is nothing that can come between me and you. Listen to me. There's no gate that can allow, once the presence of God enter in, there's no gate that we can allow to allow His presence to go forth. But we've got to build an avenue. We've got to build a path for the Lord to come into our families and come into our homes and come into our church because we can't afford to lose the glory of God. But once it's, it's in the gate, then we've got to lock that gate. We've got to nail it shut and allow it to never be opened again lest the glory of God departs from us. Because I'm going to tell you right now to every parent in this place, in this day in which we live, Pastor Brandon, in this hour in which we are living and raising families, we cannot afford for the glory of God to leave our homes. I'm going to say that again because I think that should have been a bigger amen. We cannot afford in this day and age of, of, of our, our children being inundated with all sorts of filth and all sorts of, of, of thoughts in, that they come in contact with at school. We cannot afford to allow the presence and the glory of God to leave our homes. But when we walk into our homes, when our families and our children walk into our homes, we better make sure as moms and dads that the glory of God resides in my house, that the glory of God resides on my family. So the eastern gate is reserved only for the presence of God. 
that the people who came in through the north gate had to leave by the south gate. And the people that came in by the south gate were to leave by the north gate. The Bible tells us that they could come into the gate of their choosing, north, south, it didn't really matter. There was no rule, there was no regulation as to which gate they entered in. They could come by whichever gate was convenient for them. If you were headed north, then you could come through the south gate. And if you were headed south, you could come in through the north gate. There was no specific instruction as to which gate they had to enter in by. There was no rule that attached to how they came in to the house of God. But the only rule that we read about in this particular passage was that you cannot leave the same way that you came in to the temple. If you came in by the north, you couldn't go out by the north, but you had to go out the south. And if you came in the south, you could not go out by the south, but you had to go out the north gate. If you chose to come in, whatever gate you chose to come in, you had to exit by the opposite gate. If you chose to come in, just just whatever, whatever direction you were traveling, if you chose to come in by one way, you had to leave a different way. The only rule was you cannot come into his presence and leave the same way that you came. And somebody needs to hear me in this house this morning. God is trying to tell somebody, don't come into my presence. See my presence. Sense my presence. And then turn around and walk out the same way that you came in. But every time you come into my presence, every time you enter my glory, you're meant to walk forward. You're meant to leave differently than you came in. You're not meant to turn around and go home the same way that you walked in. You're not meant to turn around and go home with the same addiction that you came in with. You're not meant to turn around and go home as lost as you were when you came. But whatever, wherever you come from, whenever you're in the presence of God, you receive the power to walk out differently than you came in. I wish somebody would hear what this preacher is preaching today. It's not enough just to come in and to go out, but you have to come in and you have to leave differently than you came. It's not enough just to come to the house of God and sing three songs and pray and give it in the offering and hear a message preached, but it's about coming into the house of God and leaving changed. It's about coming to his presence and leaving different. trying to preach to somebody and tell you that you and I cannot afford to stop short of a complete transformation when we come into the presence of God. We cannot afford, hear me, we cannot afford to leave and to be the same person that we were when we came in. 
The message that I'm preaching to you is come as you are. Come from whatever direction life has taken you. Some come through the north gate. Some come through the south gate. But whatever and however you come in, come in however you are. You don't need to change. You don't need to get some things right in your life right before you come to the house of God. But you can come just like you are. You can come messed up. You can come broken. You can come hurting. You can come lost. However you are, you can come into the house of God because there is no judgment attached to how you come into the presence of God. Just come as you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. But just come as you are. Don't stay the same way. Come as you are. But when you come to the presence of God, there is an anointing that can change everything about you. It doesn't matter what you come in with. It doesn't matter how long you've had it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about it. Come with your faults. Come with your failures. Come just like you are. But every time you come into the presence of God, you receive power to leave change. You receive power to live live differently than you came in. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord. You may be here. You may look up on this platform and see a sweaty, stinky preacher right now. You may see a tie. You may see a suit. You may see polished shoes, and you may say, well, that's easy for you to say because it seems that you have it all together, but you don't know where I came from. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've had attack me in my life. You don't know the things that that had me bound when I come into the presence of the Lord. But you look up in here and you see like you see someone who looks like they have it all together. Let me tell you, I don't have it any more together than anybody else in this building. But I've just decided that when I come into the presence of God, no matter what it is I'm carrying, no matter what it is that I'm dragging in, those chains that are weighing me down, no matter what it is, I've decided that when I come into the presence of God, I'm going to leave those things here, and I'm not going to walk out the same way that I came in, but I'm going to, through the, through the preached word of God and through the power of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to leave differently than I came into this house. Not just one time, but every time I come into this house, I want the Spirit of God to rest on my life. I want His presence to call me to change and to leave differently. I'm telling you, telling you, yesterday messed me up. I've had the Holy Ghost since 19, you do the math. 1988, I was baptized, or I received the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night, and the following Wednesday, I was baptized in the name of Jesus. 
I've been serving God for a long time. I don't have it all figured out. I don't even have it close to being figured out. But I strive every day. I do my best every day. Yes, I fail. Yes, I fall. Yes, I mess up. But there's a determination in me. It's kind of like David that says, I'm going to keep walking forward. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm gonna, this is a work in progress. And every time I come into the house of God, I need the help of the Lord. I I need the glory of God to change me on the inside. It's not just a one-time thing. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. There ain't a person in this place that when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, when you came in that first time and you felt God change your life, there ain't a person in this place that at that moment had it all together. There ain't, a, there ain't wasn't a person that was like Enoch that walked with the Lord and then he wasn't because God translated him. Not a one of us. And that tells me that we still need the glory of God. We still need the power of God every time that we come into this place. God, we, our prayer ought to be, God, let something said, let something happen in this service today. God, that would call me to change. Let something, God, in that is preached across the pulpit today, call me to change. Reveal things to me that I need to be different, things that I need changed. God, if you're a parent, it ought to be, God, give me what I need today, Lord, to lead my family. God, to lead my children, to, to, to teach them the importance of the glory of God in this house because we cannot afford to lose his glory. The Bible is full of people who can testify to what I'm preaching about today. The Bible talks about a woman with an issue of blood, something that she that she that troubled her for so many years the bible says that for 12 years she she suffered with this issue she was she had exhausted all of her options trying to find a remedy but nothing worked but the bible says that everything she tried her her issue only got worse everything that she tried failed she had done everything that she could to fix her situation but she could not get a answer or a remedy, but there is something about when you come into the presence of God, she saw Jesus, and something on the inside of her said, I tried everything else, but if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just get close to Jesus, if I could just get in his presence, if I could just get his attention, then I believe that everything in my life can can change. And the Bible says that she pressed through the crowd and she grabbed a hold of the hem of the garment of Jesus. And when she did, her issue immediately left her because she was in the presence of Almighty God. The Bible tells us about blind Bartimaeus, a man who was blind and unable to see Jesus. He wasn't able to see where Jesus was, but he heard that Jesus was near. 
nearby. It made something rise up on the inside of him where he lifted up his voice and he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when everybody else tried to quiet him down, he said, I'm not going to be quiet because there was something on the inside of him that told him the answer is here. The answer is very near to where I am at. There was something on the inside of blind Bartimaeus that said, I might have woke up blind this morning, but I can tell you one thing. I'm not going to sleep blind tonight. Hear me today. You come into this place. You may have woke up with that today. You may have been that addicted to it. You may have been that pound, but you don't have to go to sleep that way today because you can leave this house. You can leave this temple the, the different way than you came. You can leave changed and set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm drawn to a close. I'm quickly drawn to a close. I'm preaching that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where life has taken you. The eastern gate has been opened. God is here and God is filling this temple. And I'm challenging everybody in this house this morning. You've got to have a deep, a deep conviction in your heart that says that any time and every time that I come into the house of God, I don't have to leave the way that I came in. You must be careful not to allow being in His presence to become routine. You can't allow to, to allow being in His presence just to become mundane. But we have to be careful that we don't make a habit of coming to the house of God and hearing the Word of God and then turning around and walking away the way that we came in. The Bible speaks about this in James chapter 1. It says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, he sees himself, and he goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth the manner of man he is. It says it's like a man who looks in the mirror and sees all of his mess and sees what needs to be changed. He regardeth it. He sees it and he notices it, but he turns around and he walks away the same man that he was when he looked into the mirror. If we make a habit of coming into the house of God and hearing the word of God and hearing a word of faith but not applying it and we turn around and leave the way that we came in. We are like a man who walks up in a mirror and sees what needs to be done and then turns around and leaves those things undone and rather walks away and goes back the same way from where he came. But God told Ezekiel in this passage that every time in our text that every time the people come to the house of God they were meant to leave a different 
different way. It doesn't matter if it's your first time or it doesn't matter if it's your thousandth time in the house of God. But every time you and I come in, there is a power to leave differently than we came in. Every time that you come into the manifest presence of God, there is a power, there is the power to rise above whatever may be plaguing you. Hear me, every time that you come into the house of God, there is a power to leave greater than you came in. Every time that you come into the house of God, there is a power to leave with a greater purpose. There is power to leave with greater faith. There is power to leave with greater direction. There is power to leave with greater clarity. Every time that you come in to the house of God, there is power to leave differently than you came in. Later on in this vision, we see the end result of God being in the house and the people coming and leaving changed. We see that the glory begins in this scripture. We see that the glory begins to leave the house. Ezekiel saw the glory, the Bible says, like a river. Ezekiel got in that glory and he began to walk away in that glory from the house of God. You would think that the glory would be greater nearer the house. You would think that the further away you got, that the glory would diminish and start to fade. But Ezekiel lets us know that the further away that he got from the house, the glory was getting greater. It started out around his ankles, but the further that he walked away, the further that he got away from the house, it got to the point where he had to swim in the glory of God. I'm preaching that if you open the eastern gate and you allow the glory to come into this house, you will, and you make up in your mind that every time I come into the house of God, I'm going to leave different. If you make up in your mind, it's not going to be the same whole routine. If you'll just make up in your mind that every time I leave this house, I'm going to be stronger. Every time. I leave this house, I'm going to be greater. Then something will begin to happen, and the glory will begin to flow out of this house, and it will go with you. Your neighbors will see it. Your co-workers will see it. This region of north central Indiana will see it. And the further it gets away from the house, the greater it will be because lives are going to be changed. Destinies are going to be set forever. Revival is going to break out when we allow God to change who we are. So I say the glory of God is here. And now that it is here, anything can happen. Anything, any situation can be turned around. His glory is here, and now that He is here, and now that God is here, you don't have to leave the way that you came. Is there anybody in this house that would join me 
in a commitment and say that I'm not today I'm not leaving the way that I came in there's anybody in this house that will commit with this preacher that I am going to leave differently I, I know I've had good intentions in the past I know it's been my desire but I could just never do it but is there anybody in this house that would commit with me and say that today is the day that I leave different Today is the day that I walk in newness of life. Today is the day that I leave the old man behind and I become a new creature because I'm not leaving the same way. I'm not turning around. I'm not turning around and going home the same way I came in. I might have been care I might have been carrying some things with me for a long time, but this time, today, this Sunday morning, I'm not leaving the same way that I came in. I may be broken, but this time I'm leaving whole. I might be sick but this time I'm leaving healed. I might have come in mourning, but this time I'm leaving with beauty for my ashes. Stand with me. It's time for somebody to make up your mind and say, I'm not, I'm not staying the same, but I am moving forward. I'm moving forward. I'm not going back. I came in this way. I came in this way, Pastor Brandon, but I'm not going out that way. I came in this way, but I'm going to go that way. Or I came in, I came in that way, but I'm not going that way, but I'm going out this way. I'm exiting that way. Somebody, it's time for somebody to make up in your mind that I'm moving forward, but it it may, moving forward may look different for everybody in this house. For some of you, moving forward might be, might mean that it's time to go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sin and rising up a new man or a new woman in Christ. Or moving forward might mean that you need to repent of, of your sins and make up in your mind that you need to walk in a different direction than you were walking earlier this morning when you woke up. Perhaps moving forward might mean that I need to completely, once and for all, surrender myself to the Spirit of God so that He can take control of everything. It takes control of everything, including my tongue, and I find myself speaking in a language that I have never learned. Or moving forward perhaps might mean that I'm walking, I'm going to walk in a greater purpose, or I'm going to walk into the destiny that God has for my life. Maybe you're here and God has a calling on your life. Maybe God has spoken to you and, and, and tried to get you to go to a new height and try to get you to go to a new place in Him. And maybe you have resisted because you just didn't think you were worthy or you were afraid or you didn't think that you were able. But maybe today walking forward might be that you walk into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. Maybe it's a deeper commitment 
Maybe it's a higher level. Maybe for some of you it's that ministry that God laid on your heart so many years ago and you forgot, you thought everybody else forgotten about it, but you never forgot about it. And you've laid your head on a, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You've laid your head on the pillow night after night after night after night and you cried a river of tears thanking God, I missed it for my life. But today, you can make a change. Today, you can walk out differently. That may have been put on the back burner, but today you can pick it up and say, God, the old man couldn't have done it. The way that I walked in here, I couldn't have done it, but God, I'm walking out a different way. I'm walking out a different person. I'm walking out a new person. I'm not turning around, and I'm not going back to what I used to be. I'm not going back to where I used to live, but I am walking in a new direction, and I'm going out differently than I came. I opened these altars this morning. And I want to tell you that I believe that everybody in this house can move forward from where you are and can walk out of here differently than you came in. In Jesus' name. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost. God can give you the Holy Ghost today. Maybe you need a newness of life. God can give you newness of life. Maybe you just, maybe you've served God for 50 years and you just need a little better direction. God can give you direction. You just got to make up in your mind at this altar this morning and say, no matter how bad and no matter how comfortable and no matter how much I am used to going out that way, I'm not going that way today but I'm going this way. I'm walking out differently than I came in. Come on, somebody needs to declare it in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm leaving differently. God is going to do a work in my life this morning, and I commit to Him that I'm not going to be the same man. I'm not going to be the same woman, but I'm leaving different than I came into this place. differently. God, give me the direction to lead differently. God, I'm tired of who I've been and what I've been and where I've been and what I've done. God, I don't want to be that same person anymore. God, I've come in through the north gate, but I'm leaving through the south gate today. God, I came in that way, but I'm leaving a different way, God. I commit to you, God, that today marks a day of change. Today marks a day of the birth of a new man, a new creature in Christ. Let's commit to Him. God, help me to walk out differently today. 